G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. Today with Jeff Vines, author, pastor, apologist and Bible teacher with a straight-talking message from the Word. We are consumed by the fire in our life. It's not because the fire's too hot. It's because we've not appropriated the shield of faith. Today with Jeff Vines. Hello and welcome. Thanks for joining me on Today with Jeff Vines. Today's episode is the final in our Deception series, a look at the unseen spiritual world that affects our seen one and how we can protect ourselves with God's armour as it's described in Ephesians chapter 6. So let's continue now with Pastor Jeff and hear the final part of this message about hetoimasia, being spiritually nimble or ready or adaptable. This is Today with Jeff Vines. Doesn't the Bible say that we're the children of God, but the whole world lies under the sway of the evil one? Which means whose territory is the world? The devil's. And when you approach and encroach on his territory, you think he's gonna sit by and do nothing? Hey, do you remember the story in Elijah where God says, Elijah, I want you to go and deliver a message to the king and the queen and the people. I am displeased. So Elijah's proud. You know, he says, man, God, God's using me as his servant. So Elijah goes and you can see him raising his hands in the air. And this is what he says. As the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. So he determines basically produce. Now, after he does that, he kind of goes back in the green room behind stage and God's back there to meet him. And God says, run, man, run. And Elijah says, what? And he says, yeah, run into the desert, man, run. Why, God? You just threatened the king. Yeah, but God, you told me. Yeah, I know it now. I'm telling you, run, man, run. <laughs> now, some of you say, first thing you're gonna say is this. Well, Pastor Jeff, wait, whoa. Why doesn't God just stop the fiery darts? Think about how beautiful this metaphor really is. What's the thing about fire? It can do one of two things. Fire can either destroy and consume or it can refine and purify. This illness that I've been through, and I know I've been talking about it and I still have it and I still have my moments. I can tell you that the last 10 months of my life have been purifying and refining me. I'm a totally different person than last November. You ask my wife and ask my kids. I had a choice, you know. There was a part of me that wanted to get out of the ministry and think, man, if if Satan's gonna target me like this, I'll just do something that's less aggressive. That's dangerous. I care now more about you than I ever have. I care so much less about building my own kingdom rather than building God's. 
I pray now more than I ever have. I know Jesus now more today than I ever have in my life. I, I have gotten to know him through this journey and he is good and he is kind. I'm more patient with drivers on the 210 who drive in the fast lane. <laughs> I love my wife more than I ever have. I love my children more than I ever have. I love my dog more than I ever have. <laughs> my priorities have changed. Things change, your perspective changes. Let me show you, and I hope, you may not remember, you may not remember all of this message, but I hope you remember this. I've got a little demonstration. You, you know what this is here. If you take a blowtorch and you just put it right onto the bread, kind of, what does it do? Kind of ruins it. No, oh, it even smells bad. What happens though if I were to do this for a long time? Well, something like this would happen. What's the difference? The shield. The fire's too hot to go directly on, but if you've got a shield, rather than destroying, it refines and makes it into something much more beautiful. If we are consumed by the fire in our life, it's not because the fire's too hot, it's because we've not appropriated the shield of faith. Because the shield of faith will make sure the heat is just enough to refine but not enough to consume. What is the shield of faith, Jeff? Well, the shield of faith is this. Remember I told you we walk by faith, not by sight. But the contrast is not between faith and reason. No, no. It's between faith and sight. That is, that we know that there's more than what we see. And that whatever we're in, God is fashioning together and orchestrating the events of our lives for his good purpose and goodwill. And he expects you to be agile, at Dormacia, and go where he leads you and allow the circumstances to refine you, not to consume you. So that when the fiery darts come and Satan says, God doesn't love you, God would never allow this into your life, God has abandoned you, you raise the shield of faith and you say, you will not distract me, Satan, from scaling this wall. You will not stop me from taking this territory. You will not hijack something God has meant for good and use it for bad. And you will not hijack something God is using to expand his kingdom to expand yours so that by trusting that God is at work in your life and is committed to completing his good work in you, you will extinguish the fiery darts of the evil one. Now, I want you to think about what this means for a moment. Stay with me. Then the last point and we're done. See, it wasn't that bad, was it? Now stay with me. Look, look, here's an interesting thing. This is not normative for everybody's life, but it's a good place to start. If you become the kind of person where you start getting up every morning, you say, okay, God, whatever happens today, no matter how bad, no matter where you lead me, I'm gonna ask the question of how this can be used to refine me. No matter what it is, no matter what I face, a coworker, somebody that's angry, somebody that mistreats me, a driver who cuts me off, I'm gonna ask, how can I use this? How can God use it to refine me? Do you know what happens if you start doing that all the time? The devil gives up on you because there's no way he wants to be involved in your life to help you glorify God. And if all you do is go around glorifying God when trouble comes, he doesn't want, want anything to do that. And I've discovered in those times, very rare in my life, when I've said, God, no matter what happens, I'm gonna worship and I'm gonna praise and I'm gonna say, how can this refine me? I've noticed the devil gets sick and he kind of just goes away. I'll try the next person. Now look at this last piece of the armor. He says in verse 17, take the helmet of salvation. Oh, this is one of my favorite pieces of the armor. And it kind of brings everything together. This is a, you know who this belongs to, don't you? 
Who do you think on staff would have this? Dane Johnson. That's right. <laughs> We're talking about the type of sword in the New Testament where it's three to four feet long, it's double two-edged, and what... The, 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 the reason you, and then again, this is used both scaling the wall and in the outskirts of the battle. You would want to take it and crash the head of the Roman soldier to either decapitate him or seriously render him useless. Either way would work. Now, the apostle Paul uses that imagery and says that you've got to put the helmet of salvation. What is the helmet of salvation? Because whatever it is, it's the thing that is going to help us make it through all these other pieces of the armor. Now, again, let's have a little teaching moment, one application and we're done. Are you still with me? Now listen, what is this helmet of salvation? It's the most difficult one. What is that? What, I mean, it protects the head. And I've read all kinds of commentators. Well, it protects the intellect. No, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. The helmet of salvation, he calls it the helmet of salvation. In the Bible, salvation has three tenses that can be confusing. Ephesians chapter two, verse eight, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. So we have been saved, right? Great, good, past, gets great. Uh-oh, 2 Corinthians 2.15. For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved. Whoops, I thought we were saved. Now you say we are being saved. And then 1 Thessalonians 5.8. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on the hope of salvation as a helmet. Whoa, we have been saved, we are being saved, we will one day be saved. Which one is it? All of them. We have been saved in the sense that Christ died for our sins and no one can ever take that away. We are being saved in the sense that we're being sanctified because sin still destroys us. A major cause of problems in our lives is a result of our own sin. So the spirit of God comes on the inside because he doesn't want us to wait till we get there to have the abundant life. He wants us to have it now. So as we conquer the sin through the power of the spirit, we become living people. Out of the dead person, the old is gone away and the new has come. So in that way, we're still being sanctified. We are being saved. And then there's the hope of what will one day be. Right now, we use that phrase, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. But when we get to heaven, the spirit will be willing and the flesh will be able. Can you imagine that? What will it be like when your body will cooperate with your mind? Oh, that's beautiful. One of the reasons I stopped playing basketball is it's embarrassing. Until I got talked into playing last year and embarrassed myself. When you're younger, your head and your feet move about the same speed. When you get older, it takes about a two-second delay for your feet to do what your head wants to do. It's embarrassing because we're getting older. Now, the Bible says in Romans 8, let me go through this quickly because I'm out of time, so I need your attention. The Bible says in Romans 8 that creation is to be personified. If you're to understand What's going to happen one day? Imagine creation as Mr. Creation or Mrs. Whichever one you want. Here we have creation. Let's call it Mr. just for the sake of argument. Stop looking at me, some of you women, like you're looking at me right now. It's like I said, everybody wants to think about God as a he or she, but nobody ever says the devil could be a she. That's all I'm saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I am just saying. I'm just saying. That's all I'm saying. So here we go, here we go. The apostle Paul says in Romans that one day, one day, that the creation is crying out right now and the creation is saying, I wanna be restored to what I originally was designed to do. That's what the creation does. And, our human, and we cry out inside, we wanna be restored to what we were originally designed to be. But the Bible says that God subjected the creation to frustration. That's the Greek word metaotis, which is a word that means you're not able to achieve the original goal, 
So you have a new goal. So the futility of the original goal, so God has given you another objective. And what that means is, originally the creation was supposed to work in complete harmony with us. Remember what Dr. Hugh Ross said? He said that in the beginning, the animals and man were not at odds with each other. Adam could say, come over here, Mr. Lion. Have a seat. And he's probably a vegetarian. Sin entered the world, and everything just went amok. That's the, that is the uh, deep theological term for it. And now all of a sudden we find ourselves at odd with creation and creation is wanting desperately to work in harmony with us, to serve us, but instead there's a part of it that can kill us. Earthquakes, tsunamis, floods. So the Bible says that creation is saying, please God, release the shackles and let us serve humanity the way we were designed. There's a part of us, please God, release the shackles and let us live as man and woman as God originally designed. And the Bible says, one day it's happening. It's gonna come. And here, here's, the, here's what the helmet of salvation means then according to C.S. Lewis. He says, the helmet of salvation then means to be a person who is always living in the future. Everything that happens to you, you protect what you know to be true, that this is not the end. Now think about it with me. Think, think about one of your favorite things to do or favorite places to go. Oh, I love to do this because I'm a sanguine. I just like to be happy all the time. God bless you, sister. So when I'm having a tough time, I'll go back to Murawai Beach when we lived in New Zealand. And I would take Delaney and Sion down there sometimes. And it's a beautiful beach. I can close my eyes right now and see it. I don't even need to see the slides. And I'd go up on top of the mountain and watch the Gannett Colony. Then I'd go down and walk on the beach, the black volcanic sand and the wildness of the Tasman Sea and the waves crushing, rushing in. No commercialism, no hotels, just a golf course that set back over on the right-hand side. <laughs> and that's how I knew that it was God's place. It was his land. <laughs> and if God didn't live there, at least he vacations there. And I'd walk up and down that beach and man, just think about how beautiful, beautiful. And then I think of Victoria Falls when I lived in Zimbabwe, Africa as a missionary and the seventh wonder of the world and the beauty of the water coming down and I've got this beautiful scenery that I love and surely God is in this place. And sometimes when I'm having a hard time, I close my eyes and I go back to that place and peace comes. I have a friend in New Zealand, Bill McCarthy. He was, he's still my friend and we would have coffee together every morning. And that was special to me because Bill had all the goods on me and still liked me. That's what a good friend is. He's got all the goods on you and they still love you. Community creation, life. Now, C.S. Lewis says this, and stay with me, this is the end. C.S. Lewis says this, as good as those things are, they pale in comparison what will one day be. C.S. Lewis uses this illustration. Now remember, this is not mine, this is his. Not mine, his, his, not mine. He says it's like a woman who puts her makeup on in the morning. It's his, not mine. And he says when a woman puts her makeup on in the morning that she tries to create an artificial environment because she knows that what may look good in her bedroom may not look good under the light of the sun. So she has a bright light to help see every detail of her beautiful face. <laughs> and C.S. Lewis says, so also Christians have got to learn to dress themselves for the light that is to come.
not the light that is here now. And you and I all know how this ends so that no matter what God sends you into, it's only a short while when compared with eternity. That's why C.S. Lewis, the weight of glory, the weight of glory, when you compare the two, that one day we'll have these new bodies and these new minds and they'll work together and creation will cooperate with us. I want to ride an elephant. I want to ride a lion. I want to go down in the depth of the ocean without having to come up for air and swim with the whales and the dolphins. I want to just think about visiting other planets and it happens. There are billions of galaxies. I want to see them all. And I got eternity to do it. Remember, it's the Greek word kainos, renewed heavens and earth, not brand new. Renewed heavens and earth. What's heaven like? We got a little glimpse of it here right now without all the sin. And because of that, it's okay to cry, but you can't be a crybaby. Jesus cried all the time, but he wasn't a crybaby. It's okay to be sad, but move on because you know how it all ends, right? You know how it all ends. You scale the watchtower, man. You know reinforcements are on the way. You know how it's going to end, and you know you win. And no matter what happens here and now, it'll be worth every bit of it. That's why when a guy like Jim Elliott, who's the top of his class at Wheaton University, and, you know, just got the whole world in his hands, it seems like, and he says he's going to go to South America and take the gospel to a cannibalistic tribe. And he knows he's risking his life and all his friends gather him around and say, why would you do that, man? You got so much, you're so intelligent, you're so wise. I mean, you, got the, you could do anything you wanted, why that? What did he say? He is no fool to give up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And I just say to any of you in this room right now who are dying, I know that anytime we have large audiences like this, there are people who feel like they're dying, feel like you've got cancer, you've got a disease. I want, to do two th- I want to tell you two things. Number one, God loves you and he's not abandoned you. Let the fire refine you and allow God to do with you as he pleases because I want to tell you something. He's got all of eternity to make it up to you. And he will. In the meantime, put on the armor of God. Put it on every day. When those thousands and thousands of feelings come into your mind, negative thoughts in the morning, you put on the belt of truth and you gather them in and you force your emotions into subjection to what you know to be true with the word of God. And you put on the breastplate of righteousness because by mid-morning, you're gonna think you're a sinner going to hell. Well, you remember that you're saved not by your goodness, but by Christ's goodness on the cross. And then you take those shoes and you strap them up and you say, God, you send me wherever you wanna send me. I'll be agile and you do your work and I will do what you ask me to do. And then you take the shield of faith and you let your difficulties refine you, not destroy you. And you put the helmet of on salvation and you say, even when I don't understand, I know the truth of what this, I know how this ends and I win. I've seen the end of the book. I've seen the movie, The Passion, and I read the book to the Bible. And I know I win in the end. Amen? All right. Father, I thank you for today and I thank you for the power of the armor that you have made readily available for us. I pray for every person in the room right now who's going through a difficult time. I pray that in no way would my words belittle the intensity and the measure of their difficulty, but instead they will feel encouraged that you have not abandoned them, that they're not in this because you hate them or that you've given up on them. Your patience is beyond measure 
and you are able to do infinitely more than we could ever ask for or imagine. And so I pray for comfort and peace, but I also pray for a renewed confidence and a renewed passion to put on the armor of God that we might extinguish the fiery darts of the evil one and what he means for bad turns into good as we are not consumed but refined and are used for purposes greater than ourselves. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for joining me for another powerful message from Pastor Jeff. Hope you've been able to take something from this passage to apply to your life today. And I hope that it draws you into closer relationship with Jesus. Next time, join me for a new series from Pastor Jeff. Today with Jeff Vines. For more from Pastor Jeff, head to vision.org.au forward slash Jeff Vines. Today with Jeff Vines. Just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.